And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Parish Pump Podcast. Councillor Dermot Daisy O'Brien is here with you, as always. Hope you enjoy the show. So I'm here with um, Councillor Grace McManus, and we are going to talk about shame in politics. And I'm going to I have an opening statement, and that's where that's where this is going to begin, Grace. So I'll be ready. Yeah. Um, so my my proposition if you will, is that shaming of politicians is a national sport. Maybe it always has been, but currently is a popular national sport. Is it a blood sport? Maybe, maybe not. And the, the question is, is shame currently the ultimate weapon in politics? How's that for a kickoff? I mean, it's light, breezy subject. Uh, I, I think it's yeah a challenging question, but actually very very important to unpack, which I hope we are able to do and show why it's important to unpack in 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 this conversation. So when 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 I say shame in politics, what's what pops into your mind? So yeah, like because even you think of things, oh, they should be ashamed of themselves or shame on them, but what does that mean? Like, so I, I think the clearest definition of shame is when you so let's think let's use an example something happens and someone says you are stupid for doing that and when your thought process becomes i am stupid i instead of i did a stupid thing when you are the the descriptor rather than the behavior being the descriptor that's when shame kicks in i am stupid they're right i am not good enough um and so i think shame in politics yeah, it's not about that policy is not good enough. That behavior is not good enough. It's you are not good enough. You are X, Y, and Z. Um, so when it, when, when it is used as a weapon, do we, are we in the realm of you are not worthy of being in politics? You are not capable of being in politics. Mm. Um, you don't belong in politics. And does that then remove any opportunity for mistake making or, or maybe to just have a different emphasis in terms of, like you say, about policy or not? But if you are targeting the individual rather than their ideology or their standpoint or their policy choice or the vote they may have taken in a, in a, particular, um, a particular vote in, in, a, in a chamber or in parliament um, or something that they may have done in their life, um, like how, how might it feel for, or is it legitimate to expect a politician to feel you're not worthy of your role? Mm. Well, let's, let's talk about that because I think another important thing to flag is that shame, shaming as a tool is not accountability. So accountability, like you've just said, is question marking. Why did you do that? What's your rationale? Or did you know this impact? Or what do you think about the impact of your decision? Um, yeah, and, and shame is when it becomes personable. And I, I think what happens is is people in politics who are consistently shamed as a way to manage that shut down. And that's why I think we see politics being so divisive because they, they put down a wall of not listening to anyone because 
uh, there's the danger then of being shamed. And therefore we have this kind of, this feeling of the people making decisions in a bubble and everybody else outside it. Um, I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, so isn't that, what, what struck me there is like shame activates the limbic system, doesn't it? So again, if you are, if someone is shaming me, mm. then there's a very real possibility that I'm going to go into caveman mode because it's threatening. And if it's undermining my existence or, or like any sense of who I am or any validation for who I am as a politician, then if I don't get the, as we say, if I don't get the frontal lobe online quick enough to be able to process that, then my reaction might be the doubling down or it might be to kind of attack someone who's attacking me. And then we lose an opportunity to have a conversation about what, what the issue might be between mm. us. Mm. And 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 what we know is is that shame is not good for our well being. And I have this uh, what's running around my head for the last while is I think we have low senses of well being across the spectrum in politics, and with low well being comes policies that are unwell. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so where why is there low? well-being like is there like if you were to and i know that you we we kind of exist in a political arena on a county council level but you have worked and work in the arena of the national parliament as well um if i asked you about if you were to give a rating about the levels of emotional literacy amongst elected um officials what would you say if you're if 10 was high across the board and zero was zero where, what rating would you give the doll or the Shannon or the County Council in terms of emotional literacy? You know, what's interesting is that there is so many people came into my head when you asked me that question from across the political spectrum. Some who I could say are, are quite high on it and some who are very low. Um, and but in in terms of the arena itself of the doll or the Shannon, you see anger or you see passion maybe and you see outrage a lot and then you see often sneering and uh, a kind of, uh, what's the word? Like, I'm not sure what the word is, but I, I often don't see, I only see very few emotions. Okay. So is that about currency? Like where where is the currency in the political arena in terms of the emotions that you use or that you activate? Um, and like on the spectrum of outrage to vulnerability, mm. is, the, is the political arena a space where people, yeah, are allowed to be vulnerable? Um, and what does that show if you are, if you're, if you're able to, if you're asked a position on something and you're articulating it, as a politician, but you're not taking a stance, a binary view for or against, but you're unpacking where, what you're thinking is. Um, do people just think that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you where, whether you're for it or against it and how you show, how you show that to me. Well, like oh, that's a layered question, but uh, like there has been times where I've seen um, debate and they're usually not the ones that make the headlines but they would be a one-on-one -on -one with the minister and a td or, or senator well in my case i'm thinking of a senator where there was an outcome that was positive and it came from a dialogue almost in the chamber but that's unheard of so we know their statements and it's very hard to have a 
nuance in a, in a short clip and it's very hard to communicate complex societal problems and policy positions in soundbite culture. Um, and, and because of the fast paced everything, my issue is most important now, there's so many issues, everything's on fire, we need to get go, 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 go. There's no time for emotional regulation either. So I don't blame a lot of politicians when they are really riled up because they haven't had the time and space to work through that emotion about the issue and then to come up with where they stand on it. That takes emotional regulation and emotional regulation takes time and time is not something that's afforded to any politician. You, you have to be across everything now and why aren't you at my event and you should be answering my email. Um, and, and, you know, there is whatever about, I'm sure, there, I'm sure, like every job there is, politicians who are lazy but I, I also know politicians across the spectrum who are not lazy I might not agree with their ideology at all but I couldn't say that they're lazy so the expectations of how much work they should do there's little space for for well-being and emotional regulation so I'm not surprised sometimes that it comes out in 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 not a kind of well-developed non-shamed response if that makes sense yeah and if it makes me think about the so if we're in the arena and then we, and everyone's, the audience is in the seats looking in and because I find myself wondering what is the, what is the driver for, for shaming politicians? So if you've done, if you've done something in your personal life or you've took a stance on something in, in your political life, is what, what is driving the electorate or the media um, to use shaming as a, as a tool for challenging or as a tool as an outlet for how we respond to to politicians and their decisions or or their stances and i I just just find myself wondering is it does it come from my fear is that it comes from a space of disillusionment Mm. um that people are disillusioned or an absence of faith in politics to be a vehicle for positive change um and if people don't believe the politics is a space where change can happen, then, then their expectations of politicians are quite limited. Mm-hmm. And then if you are against, for whatever reason, so if people are against Sinn Féin and there's, that's loaded with um, the needing us to carry the blame and therefore the shame for all the deeds that have been done in the history of the party um, or, or that they're feeding off a certain hatred um, that they've justified in their own mind. And then the only win for them is potentially the, the shame stuff. So if, if they can catch you and shame you in the public domain, then that's, that's, why I, that's why I would suggest that it's like a blood sport, but it's like a blood sport where you're going, you're hunting, you get the kill, and then you just move on to the next kill. There's nothing to be taken from it. There's no, you're not even celebrating the, the, yeah. the kill itself. You're just moving on for the next one. Whereas I would love in a sense, and this is, this might sound a little bit off the wall, but you know, and now fishing nowadays, it's like the catch and return or like you can catch. So if I'm, if I do something wrong and I'm accountable to that, then, then do I get a chance to, to go again? Or, or maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe I'll justify what I did. But if I did something wrong that I accept I did wrong and I hold myself to account for that, then do I get to go and do better? Or should I just be thrown on the, on the scrap heap for, for doing that wrong thing? And this is where it gets really complicated because... So my start point 
is I want to be a good politician. And what a good politician is to me is somebody who is driven by compassion and justice. So policies that are fair and that reduce people's suffering. Accountability from the electorate helps me to do that. Accountability helps me to achieve my goal. If someone says, you don't know anything about biodiversity, did you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you need to know about it because it's important and it's important to part of your values. Here's how. That's accountability and that helps me to be a better politician. Great. Even though it's uncomfortable, it's always uncomfortable when you have to look at yourself and see how you could be better. When someone says, you're a disgrace, you don't know about biodiversity, you should be ashamed of yourself, you're the wrong person, you're out. That moves me further away from being the good politician that I want to be. And ultimately, and I know a million times as an activist, how much I used to say politicians are all the same and they're the problem. But if we keep, as you say, hunting politicians and getting rid of them, all of them, then we won't have any left for change. And so therefore, we don't believe that democracy can be a vehicle of change. The big caveat or warning on that would be that <laughs> that doesn't mean that we vote everyone in and give them all a chance to be what we want them to be. You have like, where is the start point? So if, if somebody's start point is, is that they believe in supporting a right-wing ideology and that's, they, they believe a good politician should be a right-wing one, but you don't believe that, then don't vote for them. So don't put them in the game and then try chase them. Does that make sense? Like, and, and, and that's where for activism has an important role to play in, in not using shame. If we do believe that democracy and good politicians can be a vehicle for good change, then we need our activists to help us, hold us to account, but also not to protect us from the damage of shame. Yeah, so a shame, if, if, if we wonder what the outcome, the desired outcome is for mm. shaming a politician, so for shaming Daisy for his vote on whatever, and, that, and you, you're just pursuing that in the social media, in the print media, whatever, is what's the desired outcome? Is it annihilation or is it for me to, to, to check in with my views and maybe reconsider. Um, mm. And that's, and I think, yeah, I, I just wonder, and I, for, part of it for me, and I know it's something that we're really passionate about is the, also the dialogue with the electorate, the proximity to the electorate or to society or citizens or those who live in our communities that if we, if you believe in proximity and accounts accountability, then, then you, you won't, People won't have to catch you for what you did. They'll know what your thinking is. They'll know where your values are. And they might even be able to reconcile with you a difficult decision uh, on, on something, whether it's where funding might go or what a vote might be. Um, and, and for me, then, it's, it's, there's a shared accountability potential there. Mm. Then, And it's that, that neither we should be saying that the electorate haven't got a notion they're so thick, you know, sure, why would we involve them in decision-making? Whereas we believe fundamentally the opposite is that the more we involve people in decision-making, then the more we have a collective responsibility for the decisions, tough ones, easy ones, whatever, wins, losses, mm. um, then, or, or at least that, as you said, that they can inform and challenge us to the point where the, the combination of, the electorate and where our party policies sit um, and all the values that are inherent in there, the ideologies. Um, th there's a, there's a clarity then in you don't, don't question mark why I vote against the property tax. It should be clear to you why I vote against the property tax. 
because my look at my party, look at what I've said about it before, look at my mm. my ideology about it. I can articulate that. So to 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 tell me that I should be ashamed of not, of not wanting to have like to to present it in a way that says you are then withholding precious funding for playgrounds if you vote against the property tax, you should be ashamed of yourself. So like one of the things that I always get asked is, or challenged by is, do you think that most people get into politics for the right reasons? (laughs) Right. That's such a loaded question because I say, well, it depends who's defining what's right. Right. Like we said, you know, um, what's people's ideologies, but do they get broken down and beaten down by the system? And how do you stop yourself from being beaten down by the system and it it is true that shaming is beating down people it is and and it doesn't and yet uh, i mean and again you said i don't know how long it's been a a a tool but i i think shaming of politicians has been around quite some time and yet we're not seeing change so it's not working so fundamentally Mm. i do believe that shame is not a social justice tool as tempting as it is um, not because it's wrong to do morally and it's, it's hurtful to people's well-being, but because it actually doesn't work. We've tried shame as activists. Um, we've tried to shame politicians into a, a better, more equal society. It hasn't worked. So, so when we look at shame, the spectrum of shame, humiliation, guilt, and then the other side is accountability like and and there's something interesting about for me about the because again humiliation and shame are are very closely linked but when Mm -hmm. someone decides to choose you and single you out for humiliation and to denigrate or undermine your very existence and to expect you to be thankful for that or for on some warped level to expect that that you've earned that you Mm -hmm. deserve humiliation Mm. And then to think, and then to say that politics is toxic and to wonder why, you know, it, it confuses me. And yet at the same time, I, I also think actually there's a fascinating within, within political movements. Um, I find myself thinking about secondary shame. So if I'm watching a late night politics program and a, a member of my party is being shamed or my leader is being shamed, or someone is pursuing them in the media, um, again, for annihilation, then I'm, that's also affecting me because mm. if I know them and I'm aligned with them and I maybe even have proximity enough to know that they're good people, that their values are solid, but they're being misrepresented or being attacked, um, then that also affects, that, that can create a toxicity within me and a reaction with me in me against whoever's perpetrating that, whether it's mainstream media or whether it's a particular um, host of a show that if I feel that they're being, they're targeting and they're um, pursuing someone, some, one of my people and trying to shame them, then I'm, I'm going to feel that if I watch it. And sometimes I'll have to be honest and say that I, I, I avoid more than I pursue watching and that stuff because yeah. it, do, it does affect me and it's, and there's only so much you can carry, I suppose, but without, and trying to maintain your own well-being or, or, or a balance. Um, but I really think that for the average activist, even that you, you're, if your people are your people and you're, that's, you feel a sense of connection and community, then for someone to target 
one of your leaders even or someone who's prominent in your movement and for you to see that with bear witness to, to that um, it's going to change it's going to affect you and your ultimate behavior uh, in any sense against your opposition or against the the media or even the individual and I think we see that played out in social media a lot where yeah. it's, a, it's a, a space of just carnage like there's attack counter-attack and it, it just becomes a perpetuation of personal attacks yes. rather than and and that raises a very good question because so what do you do when you're being shamed what is shame resilience i mean I, and i want to ask you what you think but i i i i for me i know that shame can't survive being spoken about and spoken to so i have like you said my people that i go to and i say oh god like so one of the shame triggers for me is that i don't i'm that I don't belong here in politics, that I don't have anything valuable to contribute. And when that starts to play out in my mind, if I'm getting emails saying you're a disgrace or you're not doing your job or you're incompetent and it starts to filter in, maybe on a bad day, then I talk to my people who know me and who say, well, we know that's not true. Here's all the evidence and here's maybe what you can work on. But no, like the zoom out. Let's look at the wider context. Um, and that's, yeah, there's something about building shame resilience yeah, and for me, that's kind of like part part of that is about understanding what it does, understanding how it works, mm-hmm. so that if if shame triggers the the caveman, the limbic system, and we and we say that you need to let move it out of there as quick as possible, because if you if it's if you're being triggered in in that place in your mind in your brain, then it's all you've got is fight, flight, or freeze. And if they're your only three options, none of them is necessarily productive. But if they're the only three, then one of them is going to be, be manifest in your behavior. Um, and I know that you know people like Brene Brown and shame researchers would say that the quicker you bring the, the prefrontal cortex online, the better, because then you're shifting it from, you're consciously saying, uh, uh, this is what's happening. And I'm going to shift that up into another part of my mind now and then activate my thinking tools, my, I, always talk, I always remind myself what would Compassionate Daisy do or say and challenge myself to, mm. to create a distance between what's happening and who the person is that maybe is, is perpetrating this against me and to create a distance between the person and what they're saying and what, and is there, you know, and, and then just, yeah, activate the questions and the processes and the tools that are available to me to to manage the resilience to that attack or to that agenda um, and to move beyond the need maybe to, to personally, to react to the person who's delivering and, and, and find that space that you talked about earlier to, to be able to then just take a moment, take stock of what's going on here, what's at the root of this and what, where, how do we move beyond this? Um, what's the intention of the other person, I wonder? And is that so relevant? And how much power will I give to that? If it's really an attack on Daisy, then how much is how much power do I give them to do that? Um, and that's so interesting because what it means then is me and you have two different approaches to it. So I'm I'm a, an outwarder person. So I turn to the other people and say, "Well, is this true?" Or whereas, and you do a lot of self talk, and that's cool that we're different in that way, and both can be useful. Um, 
And but again, you're you're like so. If you talk about how long it takes to do all of that stuff and the amount of practice, and and maybe you get you do actually you do get good at it, and it, it, you know each time you don't have to sit down and say now I'm going to work through all of this. But the time that it takes to do some of that work is not a time again afforded in politics. Yes, and I think what makes it more interesting, and maybe maybe one of the I don't know, maybe where there's potential for, for managing it is like we have patterned responses to shame. Mm. So we, there's go-to responses. And, and if we can create great space to re- remind ourselves of the moments when we've been triggered and what we do usually, we have to learn other responses. So if both of us are aware of how we respond, then we've spent time thinking about that and we have tried to create new patterns because the ultimate risk is shame begets shame, you know, and that's because that's again, in a sense, if it's an attack and then, and you might, your, your instinct might be to attack back um, or like with humiliation, you might think I deserve this, you know, or if, if you're, if you're starting to internalize the shame that's being perpetuated against you or any little question mark that might pop in and go, do, do I deserve this? Are they right? Yeah. Then that will, that will latch on, and fester inside you and and for every time then that someone question marks you your integrity or your character or you know decides to single you out and i wonder like i imagine yeah to what degree i know that's come out recently that that there is that a lot of a lot of politicians are are admitting that they get a lot of abuse but not there's i don't hear any broad conversation about what do we do about that and mm. um, how is it how is it for you even if you're in a different party or have a different ideology um is it something that the collective body of like those of us who share the arena uh is it something that we that we need to do collectively if we're mm. gonna move beyond because who feeds shame as a weapon in politics is it do politicians feed it does the media feed it does the electorate feed it or are we all there feeding it and perpetuating it and who can who has the opportunity to pause um and what what would that represent and and again i'm sure for people who fear like there's so much fear in politics about what you say how you are what you did 10 years ago what you know how you voted how someone might misconstrue what you said or what someone's agenda is just against you because of your association with the party or with the with with an individual or in any sense and because there's so much because we have to protect like how much armor do we need yeah yeah <laughs> you know? so 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 what comes to mind there is is which part will i deal with first okay I, I, my two questions are then number one is how, what what would we say so we would consider ourselves activists first constituents also and and politicians as well so what would our message be to activists and constituents who don't want to do shame but want to do influence and positive contribution and accountability and then that leads into my second question is what does accountability look like and why is it very different because we also don't want nor are we asking for a free pass or a free ride in any sense over to you (laughs) how do you get to answer with a question like that's such a politician. Box clever, I'm telling you. 
But yeah, I mean, it probably is one of the ultimate questions uh, in terms of politics. What does accountability look like? And how do we present ourselves for accountability? Yeah. Our electorate. Mm. And sometimes it's, it's funny because, you know, when you're campaigning and you're presenting yourself for selection, everyone is relevant because every vote matters. Then you get elected and you have to then wonder who matters now. Do my colleagues matter who, you know, in terms of the 32 people in the county council? Because if we want to get things passed or we want to influence and create voting scenarios, do the officials matter because they have a certain amount of executive power within all the departments that function in a county council and we need to influence them to try and change things to the way that we would like them and make and therefore become more fair more but all that stuff happens behind certain doors that the electorate can't see beyond necessarily um, and then you look back out into the world and you wonder well who voted for me do they matter more than who didn't do the people who didn't vote do they matter as well and are they relevant am i accountable to someone who didn't vote for me or doesn't vote for or slam their front door on me and and i think it's so important to actually ask all them questions of yourself um, mm. because the way i see it is that i'm my position as an elected representative is in service to the to the area that i'm that i represent and the area is all the people whether you even have a vote or don't because yeah. Because, you know, every child under 18 doesn't have a vote. I'm accountable to them as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. um, if your legal status precludes you from voting, then uh, but you live in the area that I serve, then I'm in service to you. And I would I even go like full abstract and say, no, I'm not. No, no. I was going to say like the land. I'm in service to the land. You know, when I'm talk when I'm there fighting against the road being built, yeah, I'm trying to serve people in one sense, but I'm also trying to serve a land that, I don't know, I've, I've said this before about this uh, expression from an activist that it, one of her driving forces is to be a good ancestor. Yeah. Blew my mind. Amazing. So what, so what is there any, is there a bigger accountability than that to say that I, I will present myself to be accountable to future generations? Well, you're for, and uh, you have like, let's sit with that for a second. So good. And the only thing I would add, and the person you might have forgotten is yourself. So I am accountable to myself first. And how I know I'm being accountable to myself is when nobody is watching, do I still choose to do the right thing? And I remember now, sorry, but I'm going to tell a story of when we were taking down posters years ago. And I can't remember what it was for. And you were taking down a poster and somebody else had left their cable ties up. And you made a joke to me saying, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but you said, will we take this down even though no one's watching? And you were like, yeah, of course. And it was like, and I, it always stuck in my mind because was, it was so simple, but yet it was, and you weren't saying it to me to virtue signal. You were just making me laugh because you knew, of course we would. But in my head, I was thinking, oh my God, it, it's when no one is watching that I am accountable first and foremost to myself. And then you, you almost, that's almost a shame resilient thing because I know that I'm trying my best to live my values. And therefore, if you try shame me, it doesn't work as much because I'm, I'm, I'm accountable to myself already. Um, and yeah. And, 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 and in terms of serving, yes, 
I accountability so is uncomfortable. Like we said, it might be information that I didn't know or a question mark that made me see things a different way. But ultimately, I want to be in better service. So it helps me. Whereas shame does not help me in any way to be of better service. Spot on. So final, final question. Mm. What is the, if things continue as they are, what's the risk to politics of the future, the next election, the next generation, you know, how we present um, politics to the broader, to young people coming up to whoever might be the next candidates. Um, if, if this kind of toxic culture of shaming perpetuates, what, what is, what's the risk? Yeah. Like who would want to be in politics? Like, I, like why would you, you know, you, it's a, uh, I think we will end up with people who are somehow kind of so armored up against shame that they, again, like they make decisions that is not connected to the people because they've had to disconnect from the people to protect themselves. And then that's bad policy. Um, and toxicness breeds toxicness, toxicity, toxicness. Is that the word? But it becomes a swamp. And then you and then and, and nothing positive can grow there. Yeah, and I think the 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 other risk for me is that there's the there's fracture, a fracture between people and politics then. Mm. And and the more it's almost like there's this there was a crack at one stage and now it's this fracture, you know, it's, it grows bigger. It's almost like the shame kind of feeds into that gap and it grows. Um, and then you know the further away we are that the, we maybe we forget the value of being connected to people when you get elected um, or when you're you know in the busy life of s serving as a politician you've got to make time create time to connect with people um, but I think if you're if there's too much distance then you get caught in this in maybe this kind of bubble of that that you know in the in the worst sense possible that all politicians even from different sides place a value on the institution itself above its relationship with people mm. that we that once you're in then you're in and it's up to all of us then that's the the, the there's no more the, the the arena is what matters not the not those who are watching um, and it's almost like you don't allow people in anymore that we'll just do all what we have to do in here and that there's this mutual sense of importance and validation across the elected members um, and with officials perhaps. Um, but that if, if so the distance then again feeds to the, the sense of disillusionment or lack of faith or confidence in, in politics as a space that changes things for the better. Um, and the more, when an individual then has a howler or or a leader, whether it's a minister or a leader of a of a council or a chairperson of something, uh, does something really wrong, and and then we all kind of instead of holding them to account and challenging them to accept that and maybe even feel guilty because guilt is I did wrong, whereas shame mm -hmm. is I am wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, that that it's that that should be okay, and yet it. If, if people don't see that that happens and is healthy, that you are removed maybe from your role because, you, because the failure is just so catastrophic that that's the only accountable option available. Um, if, if the electorate 
and the people see that the politicians always get to dodge accountability um, and still get, you know, that they can look the thread that they want then to say they still get paid very well, they still give themselves raises, they still, they still, they still. And we, and, and if the electorate and the people don't see the service in real time, then I think shame will be their go-to because ultimately it is also the, the weapon of blood sport, you know, mm. that in, in, for me in politics, it is the ultimate weapon. So it's it's for us, and it's it's got to the point now where it's all like I wonder, yeah, what do we have to do to convince the public that to move away from shame will serve all of us, and where the doubt uh, in their mind will be so huge because of what they perceive or what they see in the mm. political domain in terms of honesty, integrity, accountability, all the things that are easy to say. Um, but that should be shown more regularly than just just talked about. A vicious bleak, cycle, no, because I think well, yeah, but a vicious cycle in a sense. But then the the the, the silver lining of vicious ci- cycles is that they can't be broken in just one spot. So there is many many areas where it could be someone sending an email to one of us. And they read it first and say, have I shamed them or am I asking accountable questions and making suggestions? That is change for the better. It could be someone, you saying to me, Grace, and you, we would do this, you question marking something I did or I'm going to do and saying, actually, what about this or that and holding me to account? Or it could be us holding other politicians to account. The cycle has lots of spaces within which we can be aware of shame, watch out for it and move towards accountability. And the more places that we do that from activists, constituents, politicians, right the way up and down and around in the circle, then the, the quicker the circle will break. That's like a perfect ending. <laughs> there is an end point to the vicious circle. <laughs> That's it. Uh, let's see how people react to this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having the chats. Thanks um, for having me. Tune in next time, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Parish Pump podcast. After touch, beats,